It's a beautiful morning to listen to some Icy Takes with Jeff and Big Dave. Welcome, everybody, to the newest edition of Icy Takes with Jeff and Big Dave. Jeff, I was just singing a little song there. Did you expect that? I did not expect that. Not not one bit did I expect you to, to come out hot with a, uh, with a song for our audience. Um, folks, I apologize for that. I wish I could have stopped it. Caught me off guard, but Dave... It, 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 it is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, uh, sun's out, wind's blowing, birds singing, Dave singing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great day. Deadline day is upon us here within a couple days, and uh, some GMs are getting ahead of the curve making some deals. Who sings better, the birds or myself? I'd say the birds, the birds. Okay. You know, that, that's for the birds, too, so we'll, <laughs> we'll just leave that out there. There you go. There we but, go. But no, you you said it. It's it's a great time for some teams. It's not a great time for other teams. But in general, if you are a fan of any sport, usually around this time of year is a fun time to pay attention to see who goes where, who needs to be made fun of, and who needs to be praised. And that is the trade deadline that is happening Wednesday, I believe, at four o'clock is the official final trade deadline the first time in i believe major league history or since they introduced the waiver line so we are excited to see what the final moves will be by july 31st and there's like you said there are some moves that have already been made but before we even get into all that jeff how was your week oh it was a good week i uh, i traveled up to erie pennsylvania with some of our our college friends that we we used to hang out with together, and uh, we went to a beer fest, uh, Beer on the Bay. And, Ooh, that um, sounds fun. Oh, it was a blast. Um, we, we ran into the uh, the complete accident of getting VIP tickets that no one knew that we got, and got some free food, got some free booze, and uh, we celebrated. Um, we had like four birthdays within like the last two weeks together, including myself, and um we kind of just celebrated everybody's birthday together, and it was, it was a great time. Now, that is one way to do it. Accidentally get free VIP tickets. How about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was real good. They had, um, they had like, a couple of the local um, restaurants brought, like, uh, sliders that were free for, for the people in the VIP tent. Uh, some special beers were in there, too. They had Moe's Queso there, which everybody crushed. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great event put on by those people down there. All right, so uh, no, I, I like that. I need to go to a, a beer festival sometime soon. Beer on the Bay sounds like one of the ones I would have to hit up. It's a far drive, but I think it'd be well worth it. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too bad of a drive. Only like two and a half hours, get a hotel up there, spend the weekend. Beautiful beautiful town area is up there. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, but for sure. but how, was, how was your weekend? Uh, weekend was a, a little tiring. Um, just kind of moving around here and there, doing a lot of work Saturday, um, the you know, the day that you're supposed to relax. And, you know, softball was fun. Hit a grand slam on Sunday. So Attaboy. I, don't even, I don't even care that the guy almost broke his back flipping over the fence trying to get it. It still went over. boy, Fence scraper. But, hey, it got over. It so got nice. over. Exactly. We lost both the, games. <laughs> you got the cheap Wrigley Field in the basket home run. Exactly. So the wind was helping me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a little fl- DeMarini flipper bat. So it worked out. Do you get hit on your next at bat? Uh, I came in around like ten mile an hour, but yeah, I did. I did wear one. 
Yeah, see, that's what. See what happens when you bat flip. Uh, uh, well, just get around the bags there, Dave. Oh uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's just the name of the bat. That's a D Marini flipper, but you know, <laughs> just a just a little drop, little drop of the hat there. That's all. There we go. There we go. So, yep, basically all baseball because of the trade deadline, what has already happened and what is going to happen and what we think will happen. So, Jeff, where are we starting? Well, let's start off with the big news that came out on Sunday afternoon. Um, The team that I think everybody did not expect out of the NL East to make a big splash in the starting pitching department uh, did indeed make a big splash. It was the... New York Mets, the the woeful New York Mets, they uh, they made a huge deal getting Marcus Stroman from the Toronto Blue Jays. Arguably, would you say what the fifth best best pitcher on the market? Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I know. There's a couple other off the top of the head, but yeah. So the uh, the, the Mets gave up Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson. Those were prospects in their system uh, five and seven. To get Marcus Stroman, um, Dave, I don't know about you, but I did not expect this deal to get do- get get done at all for the Mets. I thought they'd be straight selling, um, being six back in the wild card, um, way back in the National League East, having to hop over three other teams to even get atop the uh, the division. Um, this one is essentially just them shocking the system of the of the trade market and and pretty much putting a premium on on the other four starters that people are expecting to get. Yeah, this, I don't know if this is such a calculated future move that the Mets are just ahead of their time when it comes to this one particular thing this season. There's a lot to make fun of the Mets for this year, but this particular move may not be one of them because they may have just upped the price for other starters on their team especially Noah Syndergaard, who was the most unlikely to move. But if you get the right pieces and the right additives, you could say in this trade to ship Syndergaard, wherever the asking price is, you might get a lot more in return because of this one trade that you made. Now, Stroman is only on contract until the end of next season. That's the issue I have here. It's almost like what the Pirates did with the Rays last year, giving up top top-end prospects who have had major league experience and you know, one particular player, Meadows, who actually did excel in the majors but then was brought back down to AAA and then being moved for an, an aging Chris Archer. The only difference of these two trades is that Stroman right now is the much better pitcher than uh, Chris Archer. But this, I don't know how to, how to rate this move. I don't know how to grade this move because they might be helping themselves in the future because of this trade. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because, like I said, I think everybody in baseball expected the Mets to be to be sellers um, come July thirty first. But um, the one interesting thing about it is is how willing the Mets have been able to. I mean, they traded two top ten prospects in their in their um, from their system. Having said that, though, neither of them are top 100 prospects in MLB pipeline. So that's that's very interesting that it, that the fifth best best pitcher on the market um, didn't command somebody that was in the top 100 pipeline. And um, from what I was reading as well was that um, 
the Yankees, the Braves, like all the teams that have these high prospects that are have not really committed to moving them, but have said that, you know, we'll make a deal that we feel is right. And nobody wanted to give up those top prospects for Marcus Stroman. So um, I'll, I'm kind of curious what Stroman's value was across baseball of, of how uh, teams were looking at him. Yeah, and one other thing I did want to want to point out for this is that if the if the Mets are looking to kind of hit that start over button, isn't this just another way of saying that you know? First off, you can never have enough pitching, so you can argue to the end of the day that this is a good move in the end for the Mets. But if you were looking to start over. Is there ever a timeline on when you have to start the rebuild? I mean, if you if you get get the right enough money, you can get Stroman under contract or under a long term deal at the end of next year or at the beginning of next year before the contract contract expires, so you don't have to deal with free agency. I mean, do you think this is a, a player that the Mets are looking to build around? That's the interesting thing because a lot of people are saying that the Mets not might might not be done. They're still saying um, Zach Wheeler may still be out there. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with Noah Syndergaard because a lot of people are saying he still might get moved. But um, if you read what other people are saying, they're also saying that the Marcus Stroman move was to make a run at next year and be in the conversation for the division next year. So I think it's going to be really interesting what they decide to do. Um, They also made another deal that we will talk about that just happened about Oh, probably 40 minutes ago. So we'll get into that in our next move here. But um, I just don't get it. Like, I, 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 I don't get why they would, they would move those to- two top 10 prospects to get Stroman for a team that you're probably not making the playoffs this year. And you don't know if you're going to get Stroman um, committed long term here. Well, Here's the thing. This is going to be a wait-and-see move by the end of the trade deadline to see if the Mets were crazy or if the Mets actually know what they're doing when it comes to the trade deadline. Right now, if you had to go on a grade scale, I'm going to give this a a B, a B move because even though they were number five and number seven prospects in their own system, they're not even – top 100 in the majors. Granted, one of them was a second-round pick last year in 2018, and sometimes you need a year or two under your belt in the minor league to crack that top 100, even as a second-round pick. So depending on – this is a this is not a final grade of this trade. I need to see what else happens after this, but I'm going to give it a B right now. It can go up to an A depending on what they get back for Syndergaard or Wheeler or whoever they do deal, and it can go as low – as a D because if they don't make another move after this, I think they're just becoming sitting ducks for this year and they're going to have to do a lot of work in the off season to make this uh, more valuable. Yeah. I'm probably going to give this deal a C pretty much for the same reasons you are. Um, And I agree with you. I think, I think they're going to have to make another big splash and I think probably hit free agency in the, in the winter and kind of attack free agency to add that bigger, another big name um, to compete. Because, I mean, you look at what the, the NL East is now. you got the Braves, you got the Nationals, and you got got the Phillies, and now you're, throwing, you're trying to throw your hat into that, that mix. And, um, yeah, so I think it's definitely a wait-and-see trade. 
And I think it. I, I think the only way this bumps up is a if the, if they're successful next year. And I think they would have to win the division to be okay with not getting Stroman to commit long term. Oh yeah, for sure. You need but, Stroman but, after twenty twenty. Right. To not win the division, basically. Right. But if they win the division and he walks, I think they're okay. But if they, if he, if you can get him for four or five years, and you're in the wild card chase, and even if you're in the conversation for the National League East, I think, I think you can raise the grade of that trade. But it's definitely a wait and see trade that had a lot of people scratching their heads uh, uh, Sunday afternoon. As much as I want to keep going into the Mets, I will just end with this. They're not going to jump this many teams in the wild card, let alone their own division. So uh, they're going to finish middle middle of the pack in the NL. And because of all the moves that they made last year with that big blockbuster blockbuster uh, trade with Cano and Diaz, it's, I mean, not a shame because it's sometimes hilarious to watch a team crumble. But, you know. We're going to see if the Mets are calculating their future moves by making moves now or if they're just ma- making moves willy-nilly because they just want to. So as we were getting ready to get together on the air today, we ha- also had some breaking news. Dave, you can put in that little soundbite in there whenever you want. Um, <laughs> uh, Jason Vargas is on the move, and I'm sure every media person in New York is loving this. Um, Jason Vargas got moved to the Philadelphia Phillies for Austin Bozart, a double uh, A catcher in the Philadelphia Phillies system. Um, Dave, what are your thoughts on this? Phillies are adding something that they need. They definitely need starting pitching. They going into the season, they had probably the best uh, lineup into the season, but that hasn't, you know, kind of gone into. F- full fruition, uh, if I even use that term correctly, to be up there in the mix for um, uh, just their overall average. Because looking at the, the team batting averages across the uh, across Major League Baseball, Philly sit at 21st out of 245 batting average, but it's also their, their pitching that needs help, I believe. So I'm okay with this trade because you get another arm that can you know, deliver – deliver a couple innings um, late late into the game. Right now I'm pulling up the the team ERA, so that's why I'm kind of struggling here a little bit. But with uh, overall team ERA, I mean, they're, they're sitting at 18th at 464. So if you bring someone in that can kind of quiet down the, the lineups a little bit, especially at the end of the season or just needs a change of scenery and doesn't have to yell at reporters at all, I mean, the, Philadelphia isn't really the, the most – uh, cleanly place when it comes to uh, media toxicity between the New York and Philly, but you know this could be a, a nice change of scenery for Jason Vargas. And like you said, maybe New York reporters are sighing a little bit of relief right now. Yeah, I find this still interesting. Um, I think the thing that that I keep in the back of my mind is, do the Phillies look at this as almost like a guy that they can put as a long guy going down the stretch? That you know they're obviously going to be playing important games, trying to compete with the wild card, and um, you know, knock on wood that they don't, but trying to catch the Atlanta Braves at the top of the division. Um, I also look at this too as being insurance for Jake Arietta because he has that that elbow thing that hasn't really turned into anything yet. 
so I'm wondering if they picked him up just to say, like, okay, we have a little bit of insurance in case that flares up and and it goes to like a code red situation where they have to shut Arietta down for the for the rest of the year. They can just put Vargas right into the rotation. Um, you know, he's six and five with a four oh one ERA. Um he he struggled to start the year, but he also put a um put together a five and three record with a three thirty-four ERA in his last twelve starts. Um so he's not He's not terrible. I think he, like I said, I think he could be a good guy to just fill in if, if something disastrous happens where they got to fill in for Jake Arrieta. Um, I, I, I think that's the sole purpose of this move. It's a little bit of insurance to add, add to the to the bullpen in case something really bad go, goes wrong. But you also have, are able to pencil him in if uh, if one of your starters go down. Right. I mean, this is a dude that if say you know Arietta gives up a lot of runs. Um, if he comes back and then you got Aaron Nola, who, you know, not really the player that he was last year, but can still go out there and get the job done. But if one of those guys gets rocked, you can bring in Jason Vargas as a, as an innings eater, just to kind of, you know, calm down the situation, save a bullpen and then, uh, set yourselves up for future games. But at the, at the same time, you're not looking to, to find guys at the trade deadline to, kind of hold the wound together. You're looking for guys to cover everything up and then get over the wound and, you know, inflict pain on the on the opposing teams. So I think, once again, are the Mets winning the trade deadline right now when it comes to these moves, these last two moves that we mentioned? Yeah, I feel I feel like the Vargas move here is um, is more to make room for Stroman in the in the rotation, right? On the Mets right, side, but you're you're also getting return in the minor league system at, at positions that you might need to fill in the future, right? And also for how much that um, the new GM in Philadelphia or not Philadelphia in um, in New York has moved his prospects and everything, you got to wonder what he had, once he overlooked the the system that the the Mets have and the prospects that they have. Um, to be as willing to move two top ten prospects within your system, it kind of shows what his opinion of the the current state of the Mets prospects are. Yeah, so I think these last two trades that we mentioned right now, I think the Mets are winning the trade deadline, but they're also wait and see moves more with Stroman. I think this is just another way for the Mets to to move someone and get some talent in the end. But for what they got for Jason Vargas, I mean, then you're drawing more of a higher price for Noah Syndergaard. Who I think that let's just kind of focus on that a little bit. If if that type of pitcher gets moved this year at, at his age, and I don't even he might even still be on that rookie contract and going into arbitration soon. I'm not totally sure on that, but this is a guy who can bring in major league talent right now, and I don't think that's necessarily something that the Mets need to do. But at the same time, it wouldn't hurt just to get someone like Stroman. Um, if you get someone with a, a good enough bat to compliment Pete Alonzo in the lineup for whether it's uh, getting on base in front of him so that Alonzo can um, get him to score or you get another power bat behind the, the polar bear. I think that, I mean, you're setting the price basically for higher end deals to be made for like Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard with these, with these last two moves. Yeah, it'll be interesting too, because um one of the fr- one of the front runners in the um, 
for a starter right now is has been the Atlanta Braves, and you got to wonder what those conversations are like. Um, it, you know, who are they looking to get? Are they in the conversation for Syndergaard? Because I find it pretty tough for a team that to uh, to trade elite prospects for down in the, down the future for a guy within your division who. Um, yeah, you might have some control, but do you do you really want to be moving um, pros- key pieces for your future to a division rival? Exactly, and it's it's funny how you're almost helping a team that is that should have been, in my opinion, winning the division this year. I mean, you're going to disagree with that, but um, the Mets giving an, uh, another arm to the Phillies, who was basically the consensus the consensus was that because of the Harper move and everything else, that the Phillies were going to win the division. And uh, it almost helps the Phillies in a way with this trade to get Jason Vargas off the Mets, who just made that Stroman trade yesterday. So the timeline really doesn't fit. But, I, like I said, I think we're, we're repeating ourselves, saying um, about what has happened here and there with, with the Mets and how they're making this trade and this trade. But I pulled up Syndergaard's contract, and he's, has two more years of arbitration, the third year and the fourth year, and then in 2022, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So with the previous two moves that were made and this current contract that he's making $6 million on right now, I mean, are, you're going to have to pay a hefty price for Noah Syndergaard then, right? Right, and it sounds like the Padres are the, are the front runners for Noah Syndergaard from what I've been reading too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. They, they do have the some of the prospects um, – to to make that move, you got to wonder though: Do the Mets find a way to see if they can get that MLB ready player on top of that as well? All right. So, what else do we have here? I, I feel like we're focusing way too much on the Mets and giving them a little too much praise. So, yeah, this isn't a Mets podcast. I hate talking about the Mets. I, I'm tired of patting them on the back. Um, let's talk about somebody that's having some woes right now, and they're currently chasing the the Atlanta Braves in the National League East. Uh, Max Scherzer goes back on the IL. He's he had a back problem that flared up a little bit. Um, uh, the first time this popped up was on June 30th in a start against the Tigers. Um, he was able to pitch through it, though. Uh, pitched in his next start on July 6th. Just a ho-hum uh, 11 strikeouts through uh, seven shutout innings. Um, and then it started coming back, and um, he's been on the IL a couple times, and they they officially put him back on the IL Um today dave what do you what do you think this does for the nationals as far as their plans for um for the trade deadline and moving forward down the stretch with them chasing atlanta well it shows that max scherzer has been carrying the team all year long so we can just throw that joke out there right now and you know it it throws a little bit of a monkey wrench at them it it shows that you know with the ace being down and I think right now they are tied for the second wild card spot or no they're they are ahead of the Phillies so they're at, at least tied for the number one spot or have the number one spot locked up right now um, heading into the deadline but this is a team that struggled mightily early on and uh, was a little bit, little confusing based off the overall uh, talent and roster that they have, especially with Scherzer leading the way on that team. And like I said, it throws them a monkey wrench, but if you want to look at it in baseball terms, it's a, it's a curveball being thrown to them. You just got to wait back on it and then fire away. 
on the curveball. You expect a fastball. You see the curveball. You react to it. You, you go. You just hold back a little bit, then you fire off. So I think this is a a little bit of an issue right now because you said, what, it's the second time he's been on the I.L. this season? Uh, yeah, he was dealing with some kind of a back problem for the last uh, about week. I want to say maybe a week and a half. Um, and then he hadn't thrown a bullpen yesterday and it, it kind of, uh, set some, some writers in a, in a tizzy a little bit that he didn't throw a bullpen basically thinking he's going to miss a start on Tuesday. And then, um, and then they come out today and do put him on the IL. So yeah, he's been kind of floating around, like not quite on the IL, but they hadn't really been doing a whole lot of baseball activity with him. Right. Uh, but I think the the Nationals are still in the position to buy here. They need if they can find something to address the needs that they need. <laughs> uh, if they if they find something that will address what they need on their roster, I say go for it because Scherzer will be back, and not doesn't seem to be long term. So I think this is not a time to overreact as a Nationals front office person or a fan this is a team that can still wheel and deal a little bit and i just think that they need to hold back on maybe the amount of trades or if they even had that many in mind but if they have multiple trades in mind maybe hold back on that see what they can capture right now whether you can get it in the in the same national league get something off the mets because they're dealing to their own division uh division opponents or look look into the other league, but I think right now that the Nationals have a a good enough roster, and a lot of the NL teams are good enough, but I think they do have a good enough roster right now with Scherzer healthy that they can make it to the playoffs as that wild card spot, whether it's number one or number two. So I don't see this as a long term issue for the Nationals. See, I, this is where I disagree with you on this. I think that um, if I if I'm the GM of the of the Nationals right now, I'm looking. It, uh, I'm kind of throwing my hat now into the into the starting pitching uh, market, seeing what I can get to um, to maybe bolster the uh, the starting rotation. You got Strasburg, yes, but um, I'd feel a lot better. It kind of gives them an excuse to go out and get like another third dominant pitcher. So you know, maybe you throw your hat in the in the Robbie Ray contest, and you say, you know, the way we're looking at this, this will. This will protect us in case something is really bad with Max or we're able to come back and we have we have a we have Scherzer, you have Strasburg, and then you have um and then you have Robbie Ray or whoever you may get at the deadline as well, on top of having Patrick Corbin as well. So you got four bona fide starters ready to go going into um going into the playoffs should they make the wild card and move move on. So um I think if anything, I'm if I'm the GM, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to go make a deal and uh, bolster the rotation even more. Right, and I'm not saying that because the Shurs are getting injured, they should just stay pat right away. But I'm saying that the amount of moves that they were planning on making maybe limit that because of um, short-term and long-term issues with uh, Max Scherzer and everything else that you know might happen with making these uh, decisions moving pieces here and there and looking at what's going to come up in your in your farm system but no i mean i think what you what you stated was i mean well said with what they should be going after and who they think can 
almost um, not fill the shoes completely for Scherzer, but um, get that that third arm, that fourth arm, if Scherzer does come back and show how much of a uh, how powerful of a rotation you have with two righties and two lefties going at it. Um, if they do happen to get Robbie Ray, and if you make it to that wild or the divisional series, they're they're set up pretty well when it comes to starting pitching. Yeah, it, again, I I think we're kind of kind of being a dead horse at this point with this, but um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Nationals do. I think they're going to be ones that um sitting at fifty six and forty nine, five and a half back in the National League East. Um, do you really still? think they're realistically going to catch the Atlanta Braves. They're still a threat, I think, but I think they're focused on trying to to um, get a little bit of a gap there in the very congested National League wildcard picture. Yeah, and that, and that is the, the big issue for a lot of these teams in the National League is the the tight race on the wildcard. I mean, to even say that the Mets are still involved in the race is saying something. So that you got Nationals, you got Phillies, I mean, you can throw the Mets in there, but I mean, realistically, with how many teams you have to jump, I don't think that is the that that they should be in it. But based off schedule, they are. You got the, I mean, anyone in the Central besides the Pirates and maybe the Reds too, and then you have the the Giants and arguably the the the, the Diamondbacks in Arizona who just sit at at an even five hundred, but. They are looking to be sellers as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of teams in the mix of those wild, those two wild card spots, and only two can make it. Yeah, it's it's crazy too. We we talk about how how deep the wild card is in the National League. Um, you're looking at t- at a team like San Diego. They're 49 and 56, seven games out of the wild card entering today. They're they're the heavy favorite to go get Noah Syndergaard. Like that is that is incredible. Yeah. That, so I mean, they're that, in that conversation. I mean, these are moves that are being made for next year as well. So right. I can I can respect the hustle there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, from one injured starter to another, we're going to move on to um, Blake Snell got some good news today. He um, he had a successful surgery on his elbow today. The uh, the reigning American League Cy Young winner. Um, he had arthroscopic surgery to remove loose bodies in his left elbow. Um, that is his pitching elbow. Um Dave, this is definitely good news for the Tampa Bay Rays. The only thing I wonder is, um, are they going to be in that category of starting to get ready for next year, or do they uh, do they see if they can add um, and try and contend for that wild card spot? It being they only lost, a half game out. They lost what was arguably the best pitcher in all of April, Tyler Glass now, and he still hasn't returned. And now you lose the reigning American League Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, to, I mean, kind of a freak injury, but it's good to hear that he had the successful surgery. But um, well, he's he's done for the rest of the season, isn't he? Uh, no, actually, actually, the Rays are expecting him to be back in September. Okay, so with, I mean, so that kind of changes what I was going to say. But when you get over that, that throwing elbow injury, I think it, it it kind of may put like a little bit of a blip in how you usually pitch. Um, I, it might not be pretty the the first time he comes back, but in the end, the the Rays are, I believe, top dog in the wild card race. Last time they, I checked, they are a half game out 
behind Oakland and three and a half behind Cleveland for the top spot. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, last time I checked, it might have been a while ago, but I, update your records, Dave. Yeah, uh, my apologies, but I, so it, it, it's kind of weird where the Rays are at right now. They might be a team just getting ready for next year, even though they were so dominant with their uh, with their pitching overall and how they were finishing games and putting up the amount of runs that they were putting up each game. I think that the the Rays might not go for it this year, even with the the record that they're at right now. And it's crazy for I mean. Maybe crazy of me to even say that, but I think that Tampa Bay should maybe hold off and look at next year, depending on or unless you can land someone and come out like under the out of nowhere. I mean, you could. I'm gonna say it right now. There's no way that Tampa gets no Noah Syndergaard, but if somehow they were to pull that off, this is a team that should that the that the Yankees should be looking. Uh, back on a little bit because starting pitching has, I think, arguably got them to where they're at right now. Their their bats have been working a little bit better than last year. And, I mean, what, they finished with 90 wins last year as well and been out of the playoffs. It, it might take more than 90 wins again this season to make that playoff spot for Tampa. I mean, they're you're going to have to win, I think, 100 games to win the AL East, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you're you need to be in like the 105 department to to win the National League East um, or American League or American League East. I'm sorry, we did a lot of NL East talk earlier. Um, yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I think you got to be between like 98 and 105 somewhere around there to win the American League East. Um, I agree with you. I don't think they need to make a a, a huge move. I um I guess it would be more of a pride thing of where where you're at. Um, going against Boston because Boston's right on their tail um, being a game back in the, um, in the one column. But um, yeah, I think if they, the only thing I could see them doing is maybe making like a very subtle move, maybe getting a guy like uh, a Jordan Lyles who was traded earlier today to the Brewers, but, um, but getting maybe like a fourth or fifth starter, maybe um, nothing too, too crazy. Um, and then just, just rebolster all those young arms getting ready for next year. And I think that's when they can, uh, kind of shoot their shot per se and, and really go for it in the American League East. Tampa has the second best ERA in all of baseball at a 3.55. So with losing Blake Snell here, it, it hurts a little bit, but I think their pitching is good is good enough right now to keep themselves in the mix. But if they do want to make the playoffs, they're going to have to add. And I don't think they're going to add too much this year. I think they're, they're, they're probably going to wheel and deal in the off season and try to stay healthy. I mean, that's that's the name of the game for the Rays now. It's just to try to stay healthy. So um, the only, think, the the only question that I have for them though is, do you, can you depend on Charlie Morton for another year? I don't know what's happened to Charlie Morton, but I I want to say that it might be the tutelage that he's that he is under now, or maybe the maybe what he left when he left Pittsburgh and Philly, because I think even in Philly, he wasn't even playing that well. And it didn't look like he was going to get another job. But... Well, he was, he was under the whole pitching, pitching to contact thing. Um, so I, I think the way that he's, he's changed his ways when he went to, uh, to Houston and became more of like a strikeout guy, I think has definitely helped his career. 
I just don't know how much longer he's going to be able to keep this up. Well, I, you like I said, you look to wheel and deal even into next season as well. So I don't think the Rays are going to stay um, back with their hands tied behind their back, but I can see them almost like the Nationals make that one trade. I think the the Nationals that are different with the Rays is that the Rays will go for uh, maybe not as high end of a starter like I think the Nationals would, but anyone that can just basically eat the innings and keep keep their lineup in the game so that late in the game that they can jump on the bullpen and almost steal victories in the end. So, that, like, the Rays are in the, the tricky spot in the AL because you're going to have to win a lot, and without starting pitching, it hurts. It hurts your chances. Yeah, for absolutely for sure. And um, so moving on, before we get into the real fun stuff, uh, we have a nice little segment we're going to do. Um, let's talk about a couple other things. Uh, do you want to go American League or National League here on these next two questions? Junior circuit. Junior circuit? Okay. Uh, the San Francisco Giants, Dave. What are your predictions that the San Francisco Giants are going to do? Um, they're, they're kind of the talk of, talk of baseball right now. They're 13-4 and four since the break. Um, are, are they adding? Are they staying pat? Are they going to make a move to – to trade somebody on their current roster to bolster somewhere else. What, what are you thinking here? When's the last time the National League was the junior circuit? I changed it up on you. I, uh, I, I was going the opposite. Of okay, the all right. Don't I just wanted to make it. sure that uh, you knew what was going on there. All right. So we're <laughs> To be fair, with- I, I also didn't ask for junior or senior circuit. I asked American League or National League, and you changed it up. Yeah, I, I wanted to see how, how on your toes you were during this show. Yeah, clearly not because I'm I'm rocking back in my office chair as we speak. On the heels, baby. So repeat the question. Um, the San Francisco Giants. Yes. Uh, t- they're the talk of baseball right now. They're 13 and four um, since the All Star break. What do you think these guys are going to do at the deadline? Are they going to add? Are they going to stay pat? Are they going to make a move off their MLB roster to bolster another spot in? The- on their roster, what 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 are you seeing out of San Francisco? This team is this team is going to be making moves. So I'm gonna say that the that the San Francisco Giants are in the in the position to add another starting pitching or add another starting pitcher uh, to complement Madison Bumgarner. And but I think even before that, they are going to add a bat, and they definitely need an outfield bat. Um, there it's, it's pretty, it's pretty barren out there in the San Francisco lineup. And as I pull up their, their overall batting average as a team, do you want to know where they're sitting? Where are they sitting, Dave? Uh, number 28 with a 237 team batting average, um, only ahead of Toronto at 233 and Detroit at 231. Now one one person that they could add on is Nick Castellanos from Detroit. I think that that would be enough for them, or not enough, but that would be one of the moves that they could make. Get him in the out, get him in the outfield, um, out out in right field, and you know hit everything in the triples alley, and you know really get the lineup going there and fi- find themselves creeping up a little bit with overall average, scoring more runs to help out that the the pitching. On the other end, when you have Madison Bumgarner leading the way like he does all the time, 
it's still they're middle of the pack at a four thirty six overall ERA. But then you have uh, guys on that team like um, Justin Marja, and when you have uh, bullpen guys who, whenever they're healthy, at least they they can help you out, like Mark Melanson, Tony Watson, and Will Smith. And then you have the like almost like the knuckleballer that maybe lost it uh, coming from Boston to San Francisco, Drew Pomerantz, the uh, you know the soft tossing the soft tossing lefty. This team who was supposed to lose, and they were doing a great job of that until July, all is all of a sudden winning, and find themselves two games out of the wild card. I think this is a team that's going to be making some higher end moves when we get closer to the trade deadline. And if the right moves are made, and I'm not going to say this for sure, but I need if the right moves are made, this is a team that will make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm looking up and down on this, and I I think, I mean, on paper, you got very similar. Uh, infield to what they've won the World Series with in in San Francisco. Um, the only concern for me is an outf- is the outfield. Um, yep. So I think that's where you're definitely adding. I do have a name that I will drop later on in the show that I think. Uh, oh, help, I know what name them. you're mentioning. <laughs> and um, it, I I think if if they can if they can get a guy either um, Yastrzemski or you can get Alex Dickerson to move to the bench and you can get a bona fide uh, outfielder ready to play every day and can be a slugger in that lineup. I think that is a absolute, uh, absolute gem to get. And that kind of puts them more in the conversation and people more willing to believe that this team could um, overshoot everybody else in the national league wildcard race. So, um, I mean, the, they got the bullpen arms. Um, you're you're leading with with Madison Baumgartner, which we've seen what he can do in the playoffs. Um, I think I think that if they can make a big splash and and get a big time outfielder, which should be pretty easy for them to do, because it seems like outfielders aren't a premium for teams for the deadline this year. It seems to be pitching, pitching, pitching. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I do think they're going to add. Um, but I, I just don't know how committed they are to, to trading the future to win in something where you're, you're not sure where you're going to be after say you win the wild card game. Do you really look at yourself as a legit contender going forward? Well, here's the thing. It's, it's all going to be about this year because Bruce Bochy's already leaving and, I mean, you're going to lose some guys. I, I don't know every contract situation there in San Francisco, but you're you're probably going to lose some guys, especially if you do somehow make that comeback and win the World Series, because this has basically been the team of the of the decade of 2010 when it comes to winning, and it was early on when it, they won in 2010, 2012, and 2014, and it looked like they were going to do do the same in 2016, but then the Cubs just ran over them three to one in the divisional series. I think that having the resurgence that you've had in the infield, especially with Pablo Sandoval, who, you know, even though he hasn't had as many at-bats, he's probably had about as half as many at-bats as you can have playing every day, to still be batting 266 with what he was doing in Boston after he left San Francisco is almost a resurgence at batting around 266. 
for a man that has had more cheeseburgers than Prince Fielder in in his life, probably. I, I think it's, like I said, it's, it's a resurgence. And this is a team that knows how to win down the stretch, and Bruce Bochy has showed it. Whenever you make it to that wild card game, but I'm just going to throw out the example. If they beat whatever team in the wild card game, because the Dodgers are winning the division, you go up against L.A. If there's one team that could beat L.A. in that first round, it's San Francisco, because they're almost, they're basically the, the, the little brother in the growing up. But then after you both graduate high school, you realize how much bigger that little brother is. And he's a lot better than you going into the rest of the season because or going into the playoffs. Because, Jeff, how many titles since 1989 have the Giants won? And how many have the Dodgers won since 89? A lot to a little. I guess a lot of this three. But, yeah, three, three nothing. But you could also make up the argument how many did they win from... 89 to 2010 combined, you could both both of them had zero. But it's about who's won recently and who can still win. The the Dodgers have had their chances the last two years and come up short. And if the Giants somehow find themselves in the mix in that divisional series, the Dodgers better watch out. All right, all right. So one, one more thing I do want to add. Yes, uh, I think the Giants have been so successful this season in. You could pinpoint one reason is that they're winning one run games. They are twenty six and ten when it comes to one run games this season. Say that again. They are twenty six and ten when uh, they're in a one run game. Ooh, stack guy Dave. Yeah, ha ha. So had to do a little digging on that team because I they're they're the surprise of the National League. And they are. They are, and it's, it's it's crazy to think back in. Geez, we can even say at the beginning of the month, people were people were already looking at. Okay, where's Baumgartner going to go? Where's Will Smith going to go? Um, is there any value for guys still like Tony Watson and Mark Melanson, who are former Shark Tank members from your your boys, um, uh, Sam Dyson? I mean, his name's still getting thrown out there as possibly a piece that they move to possibly add to their team. So. Um, I think it's just really interesting that the turnaround that they had and to be still in the conversation for the wild card, despite how far ahead the Dodgers are. So, uh, all right. Yeah. I just wanted to throw my, my hat in there for the giants because somehow if they make, if they make the playoffs and make the right moves, Oh my God, maybe they are winning the world series for a team that's supposed to be dead last in that division. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so now you got to put on your defense attorney hat here. Um, oh, no. Your boy Trevor Bauer yesterday. What the hell happened to Trevor Bauer and his just absolutely losing his mind? All right. So, as he's getting pulled by Pittsburgh's own Terry Francona. All right. And, so let's, let's set, and, the, set the scene here, Jeff. Okay. Set yeah. You, set, you, you, set your, you set your scene. You're defending him right now. So. Oh, oh, oh man. So, you know, we are in. Uh, is it still called Coffin Stadium? Oh, I, I I think so. All right. Well, we're, we're, we were in Coffin Stadium, Your Honor, and my, my client here, Trevor Bauer, was not having the best day, all right? I don't think he was getting as many likes on his tweets as he usually does going into his start, and, you know, a cu- couple first innings were good, but then the fourth inning came around, um, 
gave up maybe a little bit too many runs than he wanted to. And I don't, I, I, I didn't watch all of the tape, Your Honor. We we kind of lost some in the in the archives when tr- looking through all of this and trying to put our case together. But you could argue that the defense didn't help him out in certain situations, and you could you could blame the humidity of the heat in Kansas City, right in the middle of the country. There were too many runs being given up by Trevor Bauer, and I think that my client here thought he could at least get out of the inning before being pulled. He didn't like that his manager came up there. So what did he do? He decided to whip the ball in center field and said, nobody else is going to pitch except for me. But that didn't really work out for him. But my client here is going to be proven innocent in the future with whatever team that he does get traded to, and he will never do this again. Okay, okay. Um, Remind me to never be a defense attorney ever. Yeah, yeah. you made no convincing arguments that that what Terry Francona did in retaliation to the the Huck job there uh, by Trevor Bauer was warranted at all because it wasn't. But anyways, um, yeah, I just how do you how how is you as a teammate? Um, and I'm 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 kind of looking at the perspective of of like the infielders. How how can you possibly be like okay with a guy like that showing you up and being upset that because it's clear he's he's upset because the runs are scored and he sees the manager coming out and it's almost like he's he's looking at it is he's pulling me because it's my fault when it's clearly not I'm gonna huck this ball and it's a hundred percent not my fault that I'm getting pulled right now. No, I'm I, I looked at this and it was a. I mean, you could say this is a black eye of uh, Trevor Bauer's career for someone that has been as uh, media friendly and um, as out out there for uh, reporters and fans in general on Twitter. But I mean, this is—I mean, this isn't stuff that really has come out of the woodwork. That that he's really not the the best liked guy in the clubhouse. But I also think that there's always that that guy that is not just well liked with how he's perceived with. You know how he runs his everyday life, so that this is maybe him showing his his character that is in the clubhouse, out on the field, and when he's not getting his way, whether it's you know defense making errors or him just not hitting his pitches properly, or just something made him mad earlier that day, and you know the start made it worse. I couldn't tell you, but I think that if we want to go on to the other end, which is. Trevor Bauer has been linked to being traded off of this team as well. How much does this one particular move decrease trade value? I think it does a lot. A lot of people are saying, well, how can you blame them and all this stuff? Um, how, why would you want to bring in a guy that's got a short fuse like that? And who, who's to say he doesn't start disrupting things in, in the clubhouse right away? That you know, say, say for an example, this is completely hypothetical, and I'm not even saying he's gonna, this move is going to happen. But say the Atlanta Braves pick him up, right? And he comes into the locker room, and say they they go out and they're getting ready. To, the pitchers are getting ready to run pull to pull, or whatever pitchers do to get warmed up. And he he decides now nah, I'm I'm going to go throw instead. And Brian McCann goes over and says, no, this is how we do it here in Atlanta. This is the Braves way. And he just blows off probably the leader of the clubhouse. Right. right. I, just, 
I just don't know as a GM, are you willing to take that risk to, you have a good thing going here. You're in the heart of a race and you're possibly bringing in a guy that's got a distraction like that, that that's going to blow up like that in the middle of, of big gains. I, I just have a tough time having, having something like that be a possible distraction. Right. And you basically said everything that needed to be said about this. Trevor Bauer, who, I mean, who I love on how his personality on Twitter and how, uh, you know, jubilant, or you could say jubilant, he is with fans. Um, I, he, to me, he's almost like a, uh, like a Trevor Williams on on Twitter, where he's he's out there, he's having fun, he's doing whatever he can to just you know have fun. But with that short fuse and that showing on on Sunday being pulled, and you know honestly, let's just sit back and what a toss by the guy too. I mean. If you want to look at it from that end, that was a nice toss by Trevor, wasn't it? Yeah, it was actually kind of funny. Somebody uh, posted on Twitter, like they posted the, I forget if it's a GIF or if it was like the actual game video, and they tweeted at like the Statcast Twitter handle, and they were like, "Yeah, we need Statcast on launch angle and the exit velocity on that throw." And I thought that was, that was pretty funny because exactly. you know, we just get we just get stack cast just driven down our throats and oh yeah the, sure. the one time anybody's ever interested in it it's it's not available so right but I I I think that this man who has you know said that he's only going to do one year deals it's in a way it's more protection for the teams that maybe want to go after him with the way he manages himself. Because if things don't go right, you have that one-year contract to maybe uh, readily move him. So, I I don't know. This is weird. It's just all weird because the Indians are in a position uh, that nobody really thought they were going to be in early in the year. Um, after the way that the things got started, started in Cleveland, for them to be the second wild-card spot and still looking to move starting pitchers as, as good as Trevor Bauer, who, in the end, is still a great pitcher. I think this was his career high and runs given up in a game and just kind of blew up, which shows you this doesn't happen almost at all when it comes to him and how he, uh, how he approaches a game daily. But it's still a scary uh, thought to think, you know, do we really want to bring him in? Like you were mentioning about bringing him in, in in Atlanta, and if he doesn't do something the way that the rest of the team does, then how's that going to be perceived? So, uh, permission real quick to brag tremendously about predictions? Uh, permission granted. Um, I believe if you look back in our archives, I believe it was around the All-Star break, uh, we talked about who would be, um, if we looked at the current divisions the way they're at, do we see anybody getting overtaken in the in in their division as they sat and I believe yours truly said that the Cleveland Indians would be in the in the hunt to catch the Minnesota Twins. They're two two games out. Um, somehow they they're going to trade Trevor Bauer uh, for reasons we just talked about. And the St. Louis Cardinals are also tied for first place as well. So just wanted to make sure I gleefully bragged about how good I am at that. Okay. So, um, anyways, so are, <laughs> are we done with Trevor Bauer? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm kind of over it. <laughs> okay. So, this is new to the show. This is what we're going to do. Um, deadline prediction. So, I got seven names here, Dave, that we're going to go through. Um, 
we we might shave one or two off just because they're not they might not be as important. Um, but seven possible names that are going to get moved by by Wednesday's deadline. Um, I'm going to give you a brief description of what their situation is with their current club and potential landing spots. And it looks like most of these are two or three um, landing spots that MLB.com gives us. And then if you don't think it's going to be any of those, you're allowed to answer other, but you have to give a reason why. So do you get all the rules? I, I think so. You can correct me later when I break them. Okay, yeah, I'm, I, I probably will because you're always cheating like Ric Flair. So, um, uh-huh. so first first name we're looking at is Mike Miner of the uh, Texas Rangers, left-handed pitcher. He's a starter. Um, partial no-trade clause that could be a little tough for the Rangers to move, but it it shouldn't halt them from moving. Um, some are saying that he may end up being the biggest prize at the deadline right now with uh, Madison Baumgartner getting pretty much told he's going to stay in San Francisco. Um, he's also signed through next season. Uh, your potential landing spots, the New York Yankees, the Milwaukee Brewers, or the Minnesota Twins. Dave, where do you think uh, Mr. Mike Miner is going to go? Well, of the three that you mentioned, um, I'm going to think I'm going to have to go with the Minnesota Twins. This is, I mean, the Indians are, are a hot team right now, but the, the Twins are still up there when it comes to their overall record at 64-41. and 41. They just got Sergio Romo in a trade from the Marlins to help out the back end of the bullpen, and I think this is a way for them to help them out in the starting rotation uh, to complement Lance Lynn and uh, I, think, I believe Jake Odorizzi. Getting Mike Miner in there, who is a is a proven name, maybe not in the playoffs, to at least, but at least to get you down the stretch and win the division. I think the the Minnesota Twins would benefit most most off of that if they were the the landing spot for Mike Miner. I'm gonna go with other on this one. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with the hometown Atlanta Braves. Ah, uh, here he goes. I'm gonna go with the Braves just because. Um, well, one, he he grew up in the Atlanta Braves organization, so he grew up in Braves country. Um, also, I just – I think the Braves really are going to covet a left-handed starter, and uh, I think I think both the pitchers that they, they decide to get are going to be left-handed. That's why they were so heavily involved in the, the Madison Bumgarner sweepstakes till that got closed on us. Um, but I, I – I think they they covet that because in order for them to get past the Dodgers, they're going to need two dominant left-handed pitchers, and I think Mike Miner is going to be that guy to go uh, one-two with Dallas Keuchel when they when they play the Dodgers in the um, the National League Championship Series. And um, so, yeah, I I, I I go other, and I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves on that one. All right, what do we got next? Next one, Ken Giles of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, fastball touches. Uh, 100 miles an hour, averages almost 15 strikeouts per nine innings, um, just allowing around a base runner per inning, and he's under control for next season. Potential landing spots, the L.A. Dodgers, the Atlanta Braves, and the Washington Nationals. Dave, what do you got? Hmm. This is, this is more of a tricky one than the first one that you gave me. Because I'm trying to think of uh, any any teams that could be used for other here. Um, which, which by the way, it's funny how Houston 
got rid of Ken Giles because of the the, the yips that he basically had, and now he's turned it around in Toronto, and he's going to be moved again. And any the teams that might need closer help, I think, would be your your boys, Atlanta. I think that would be one of the the perfect fits for Ken Giles to land in. And if Atlanta gets him, I think. Atlanta shuts the door and maybe even eyeing for that number one overall spot in the in the NL and catch up to the the boys in blue out in LA. So I think Ken Giles would go to Atlanta. I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I don't think he's going to go to Atlanta. Um, I think I think he's going to go to the Dodgers. Um, I know the Dodgers have been connected with Felipe Vasquez a little bit, um, offering a huge package to the Pirates. Um, I, I just have a feeling that, that the Braves want that left-handed reliever and are willing to pay more for a left-handed reliever than the right-handed reliever. And um, I, I, I think the, the, uh, the Dodgers end up with Ken Giles. Okay. All right. I, I respect the hustle. What's next? Uh, number three, Felipe Vasquez, left-handed pitcher for the Pirates reliever. Uh, supply and demand, the Pirates are looking for multiple po- prospects for an elite reliever potentially signed through 2023. At the moment, currently, it's a seller's market. Um, the only two teams listed here are the Dodgers and the Braves. Um, Dave, what do you think? You can also answer. I did not say this in the um, in the rules as well. You can also say that he won't get moved either. Well, I mean, I was also going to say that. I, I don't think that Felipe will be moved. Because I think the the Pirates are still trying to recover from the the damage that was done in the Chris Archer trade and look to improve upon that by getting more than they can for Felipe Vasquez. And I think in the end, they don't get all that they want for Vasquez this year. But at the same time, if they don't do anything to address all the other needs going into next season and they're in the same spot, whether they're fourth or fifth in the division, I think you lost a little bit of value for Vasquez um, when it comes to the contract situation. And I think that he does get moved, but it doesn't get happen this year. Okay. So he's, st- he's staying in Pittsburgh is what you're telling yep. me. Yep. Um, I think... I think the Atlanta Braves are going to try and make sure this deal happens. Uh, there was rumors going around last last week that the, the Braves were heavily involved um, trying to get Vasquez to Pittsburgh or to Atlanta, I'm sorry. And um, for whatever reason, the, the deal didn't go through. Whether it was an actual deal that was proposed or not, we don't know. Um, but I, like I said in the Ken Giles conversation before, I think the Braves coveted the, um, the left-handed arm more than the right-handed arm. Um, bolsters the back end of their bullpen, and um, they definitely have the prospects to move as whether they're going to be willing to move those prospects. Um, so I, I, I definitely think the Atlanta Braves get the um, get Felipe Vasquez, and I, I do agree with you. I think the Pirates may have lost a little bit of value um, in their recent struggles of trying to keep Vasquez or, you know, they could, they could be more staying, staying pat maybe a week ago, but with their struggles on the field so far since the all-star break, I think they've lost that value. And um, I think they're, I think they, they do need to move him. 
All right. So, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I just, as the, the Pirates fan, as I go on the tangent, I just think it's it's hard for to get rid of a guy at that cheap of a value on that long term of a contract for a position that's highly coveted to be a winning team. But when you're not a winning team, you have to look to go elsewhere with it and make up for it. So, yeah. So, uh, moving on, we're going to go to uh, a non pitcher. Uh, Yasiel Puig of the Cincinnati Reds, OPS over 1.032 since June 11th. He has 11 home runs and 10 doubles in his last 39 games. He's, his offensive production in, is in demand. Uh, the Reds will have options even with Puig entering free agency next season, or after the season, I, I apologize. Um, so losing Puig when kill the Reds, uh, potential landing spots, the Indians, Phillies, and Rays. Uh, Dave, what, what are you thinking here for Mr. Yasiel Puig? Uh, should we just say the team name on the count of three? Yep. All right. One, one two, two, three. three. The Giants. San Francisco Giants. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, this this was the name that I looked at when we were looking at um, at the uh, the Giants depth chart and where that they that move that could put them over the hump for the wild card. I think this is the guy that would be perfect. He he'd be able to uh, to take advantage of left field a little bit, and he can also put the ball the other way in triples alley. Yep. Oh yeah, and for him to go up against his former team, if they do make that divisional series oh, against can the you Dodgers, imagine that storyline. Oh, I would love it. I oh, would love man. every second of it. I I would be so happy, like. An outside fan, I would love to hear the storyline there because he's such a polarizing figure that he just he just moves just moves the needle for everybody. But if you hate him, like you can't stand him, like you just cannot stand Yasiel Puig. I don't have a problem with the guy. Neither but, do I. But um, but yeah, so I think that one's pretty obvious. It's another. Uh, if if I didn't mention the potential landing spots, it was Indians, Phillies, and Rays. So we both went okay. other on that one. Right. Uh, uh, moving on, uh, Sam Dyson of the San Francisco Giants. He's a reliever. Uh, his little bio here is uh, the Giants ho- may hold on to Massenbaum, Gardner, and closer Will Smith, uh, but they've got enough bullpen depth to deal from a position of strength. Potential landing spots are the Houston Astros, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Washington Nationals. Uh, Dave, what do you got? I think where he would benefit most is the Houston Astros. I think with Houston right now, currently um, basically percentage points behind the Yankees or one game behind the Yankees when it comes to the number one overall spot. Houston needs as much pitching as you can get because, as I mentioned before, you can never have enough pitching. I think that Houston overall can benefit from any bullpen arms coming into their system, and this would be one of them from Sam Dyson to, to go from one West team to another West team, I think this is that would be the best move. Yeah, um, I don't know. The, the Nationals are intriguing there because if the Atlanta Braves go out and they, they're able to get a shutdown closer, um, you got to figure that the Nationals are going to try and counter that move by getting another bullpen arm. So that's why I, I, I find the, um, the Nationals very intriguing there. So I'm going to go with them. All right. Uh, so the last one we're gonna do, we're gonna we're gonna cut off number seven, but uh, number six is Robbie Who is Ray. Number seven, by the way. Uh, Scott Oberg of the Colorado Rockies. Okay. 
So I mean, he he's not he's not like the the flashiest name right now. Wow. So that's why I figured we could we could cut, cut off at number six. Uh, number six is Robbie Ray of the Arizona Diamondbacks, left-handed starter. Um, Arizona has been listening in on several players, but Ray appears to be the sought-after uh, player from the D-backs, and they will receive an offer that they can't turn down. Having an extra year of control will increase his value. Uh, potential landing spots, the New York Yankees, the Minnesota Twins, and the Brewers. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking here? Well, I know earlier that we mentioned the Washington Nationals, and I think that would be a great spot overall. And I think with the move that the Brewers made earlier with Jordan Lyles, uh, not as flashy as a Robbie Ray, but still the move in general, I don't think the Brewers are going to be in the mix for that as well. And what were what were all the teams besides the Brewers? Yeah, the Twins and who else? And the Yankees. And the Yankees. Um, yeah, I think if the Yankees have to make some moves, and if there's one move that they're going to make, it's getting a starting pitcher. So I think Robbie Ray will be uh, donning the pinstripes and moving up to New York and uh, adding, adding, being that left-handed uh, hurler on the mound for for the Yankees to stay in contention for the number one spot. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with the New York Yankees on this one. Uh, they've been, they've been looking for starting pitching help pretty much all year. Um, because their bats are savages, so they, they, they are. They're absolute savages in that box. But, um, but yeah, I think they need the starting pitching help. And it, honestly, I don't even think they need a stud really. Like I don't. That's why the the Mike Miner thing really doesn't jump out for me. Um, I think Robbie Ray would be perfect. He's still a left-handed pitcher, but um, you just need somebody to go five innings strong for you, and then you can just hand it over to the savages in the bullpen that they have down there, and um, and it's game over in the American League and. And I think the um, the Yankees also are, are the going to be the kings of the of the American League. So um, so I don't think they need they need to go out and spend a ton on Mike Miner, but um, I think Robbie Ray would be a perfect fit for the for the uh, for the Yankees. That was a fun game. That was I, I, I like that. You know, it definitely helped with our with our deadline coverage here. So um, that covers everything that I had written down, Dave. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up the show? Um, I mean, not not when it comes to baseball. I think we pretty much covered it. Something that I just wanted to throw out there for a little bit of hockey talk, and then we can close it out with our MVP. Uh, the Devils land Nikita Gusev in trade from the Golden Knights. I don't know if you saw that. I did see that, yes. Yeah, it looks like uh, Vegas will get a 2021 second-round pick, a 2020 third-round pick. And Gusev agrees to a two-year contract worth four and a half mil annual. So, Jeff, I mean, what are your initial thoughts? That's a big deal for New Jersey. I know that there is a couple writers in Pittsburgh that really wanted um, the Penguins to kind of manufacture a deal to get this kid. Uh, he's he's a, a young prospect over in Russia, and he's he's elite talent. He's definitely a very good talent. Um, it's just Ray Shearer doing his thing again. He's getting more and more young talent in New Jersey to play around Taylor Hall, Nico Heischer, and um, and it, it's it's going to be an interesting year for the for the New Jersey Devils. Lots of expectations coming out of uh, coming out of Newark. So um, 
you know, stay tuned because once we start getting into hockey talk again, I think they're going to be a heavy topic for us to be talking about all season. Oh, no doubt about it. So, and and yeah. oh, by the way, they also got a guy named Jack Hughes too. That's that's on that roster built that they're building around. So, I hope you um, heard about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope you heard about him because, uh, especially if you're American, because he'll be bringing some gold medals our way. So, um, so other than that, is that it, Dave? I think so. I think okay, so. Cool. We're gonna. We're we're gonna wrap it up with our MVP talks because uh, you know the trade deadline is going to be a little bit spicy. So we're gonna be re re uh, capping what happened what happens by the end of the deadline Wednesday, uh, come next week. So Jeff, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready? I I think so. But I'm gonna let you go first. Okay. Well, I'm gonna start turning this into a gimmick. Come on, I'm not doing an MVP. I'm doing an LVP. What is and <laughs> and I, I, I think soon I, it, I might just call it old man yells at clouds uh, because this one isn't even sports re- related or anything like this. Um, National blank day is like getting overblown beyond belief. Uh, I guess today is National Chicken Wing Day and National Lasagna Day, I heard today. So, like... Why do we only find out about these like randomly throughout throughout the day? It's just like, oh, you know, today is National Computer Monitor Day, so make sure you look at your computer monitor extra hard today. Um, just folks, like, can we just have like a regular day that it's not anything? Like, it's, it's just Monday the twenty ninth. You know, why does it have to be Monday the twenty ninth? Chicken wing National Chicken Wing Day. So let's knock it off with the national fill in, fill in a. A, uh, a noun here and let's just let's just have a normal day here so um, that's my my LVP is national uh, national I don't know blank day is that what we, we can call it yeah and uh, yeah let's let's knock it off with let's let's just have a normal day all right so Jeff is yelling at clouds right now yep what a surprise so all right well I'm going to try and spin it a little bit. My MVP, I'm going to give it to the league, uh, Major League Baseball, for having this one final trade deadline for July 31st. So we don't even have to confuse ourselves with waiver trade deadlines after going into August and even parts of September. We can just focus on what the trades are going to be happening July 31st, and that's it, and see how the teams uh, progress or regress after making those said trades. So... Give it up for the MLB for just simplifying the process. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I like the hard deadline. I never really understood the waiver deadline either, and it was really hard to explain to people that don't follow baseball as close. So um, I definitely do like the hard deadline. All right, so I think that'll do it for us. I think it will. All right, so... You know, this has been the Icy Takes Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying it. You can follow us on the Twitter at Icy Takes, I-C-E-Y Takes, all together one word, and our own personal Twitters at Big underscore Day 52. At Christ underscore 51. Just like our Lord and Savior, amen. You can like us on Facebook as well, Icy Takes with Jeff and Big Dave. You can also, I mean, depending on how you're listening to us, whether it's uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or straight through Anchor.fm, where it distributes all of our episodes to those platforms uh we thank you and if you ever feel like uh donating to the the podcast to helping out 
with the upkeep, you can do so through Anchor.fm. There's a donate link there. You want to send us any personalized messages that we want to answer or just say hello to us on Anchor.fm, you can do that as well. But I think that'll do it for us. Hopefully we're better next week. But until then, stay icy, people. Yep, yep. Love you guys.